Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. feet. Why don't you give a big God bless. We love you to the Varners. Amen. Come on, Brother John. Prophesy, cast out devils, whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, hallelujah. I tried to cast that shopping spirit out of my wife, but that ain't worked yet. <clears throat> no, I'm not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> we've been married. How long we've been married, woman? <laughs> huh? Mom's the word. Fifty-three years. We're headed to headed to fifty-four. We're almost halfway to fifty-four years. And <clears throat> I asked her. I said, "Do you love me?" And it's kind of like Eve said back to Adam, "Who else?" <laughs> it's too late. I was telling Pastor, I appreciate you, appreciate Pastor Eric uh, allowing us to be here today. My thought was, you people need a lot of prayer today because I haven't preached much in the last 15 months, and it's a dangerous thing. So I was thinking about, thinking about um, Adam and Eve when God made everything. He said, and it was good. Made two of each of the, I made the animals and they were not alone and it was good. But he made Adam and he said, it's not good. It's not good. Why? Because just one of them. Whatever Adam and Eve were before that surgery, it was all in one body. Okay. Everything was in one body and put him to sleep and took a part of him out and made Eve. And when he, Adam woke up, he said, Lord, you sure did a good job. <laughs> but, but he said when, when Adam was just one, he said it's not good for him to be alone. And I, I thought, well, did God know that wasn't going to be good to start with? I mean, when he made Adam, he knew that it wasn't good for him to be alone, right? He already knew that. So who was he trying to prove something to? One but one other person there, and that was Adam. So Adam needed to know, you need a wife, son. Anyway, hallelujah. That's enough said of that, isn't it? Well, we're here today to represent. I, I'm hesitant to say to represent Ezra International because if we represent an organization and do not represent our Heavenly Father and what He wants, then we've missed the mark. Amen. I appreciate what Pastor said about the kingdom. Uh, very few references made in the New Testament uh, that Jesus made concerning the church, but he, he spoke many, many times concerning the kingdom. And it is the operation of the kingdom that the church should be functioning in. 
Uh, I don't know if you have a, a passion translation or not of the Bible. Any of y'all have a passion translation? You have it? Okay. Uh, there in the book of Matthew, I'm not going to, I don't, I've got it on my phone. It's interesting. Siri can point you the phone. I'm not going to read it now. But when Jesus talked about the church, I think it's in Matthew 16 or either in chapter 18, where he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's Matthew 16, isn't it? Well, <clears throat> the Passion Translation gives that. I will build my legislative assembly. Okay, so what is a legislative assembly supposed to do? If, you're, if we elect people to go to the legislature in Montgomery or in Washington, D.C., we're expecting them to legislate some things. Sure. They're supposed to be functioning in a way that what they set into motion will be effective in our lives. Now, Israel uh, does not actually have a constitution. What they function on now, is, uh, they function in the laws that they pass. That's about the way it is with the United States. I, I hope our Constitution has some kind of merit, but I'm not sure how much it has. Uh, but that's the way Israel functions. And so uh, we, we should be legislating things that will advance the kingdom. Amen. Okay? Before Jesus ever showed up, uh, before he, his time here on the earth as a man, the word church was used. It comes from a Greek word, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, ecclesia or ecclesia. And that was used to describe assemblies of people that came together uh, to legislate uh, governmental things in certain geographical locations. And so when Jesus came along, he said, I'm going to build my legislative assembly. We, we think of church, if I said uh, church, if most people, myself included, church, you know, what's the first church I can think of? Well, it's over on Highway 14 between Elmore and Wetumpka, uh, the church I went to. <laughs> Where do you go to church? Okay. Uh, well, it's not so much of going to church as it is actually understanding what we are. Amen. Okay. And uh, I'm headed somewhere with what I'm about to say. What I am trying to say is that when God wants to do something in the earth, he takes people to do it. Yes. He chooses people. He calls people, okay, to do certain things. Now, I'm, we're here today to talk about the Jewish people coming into the land that God originally gave to Abraham. Okay, it's called Israel, Palestine. It's, it's the land that, that God told Abraham to leave Ur, the Chaldees. I've got a land for you, and I want you to go to that land. Okay? Yeah. And uh, when, when the Jewish people were there, there were some things that happened when Jesus showed up that... Uh, that did not, they did not, you know, open their heart to him. And uh, as a result of all of that, they ended up being scattered 
all across the face of the earth. The Jewish people uh, ended up going, <laughs> they, were, they were in all kinds of countries. And it's an interesting thing how much the Jews are hated in the earth, have been hated, and still some places are hated. The, the number one ethnic group that receives persecution and uh, terrorist acts against are the Jews. When, when uh, Christopher Columbus sailed from Spain to try to find the United, try to find where we are now, uh, the day before they had issued an edict that the Jewish people had to uh, either convert over or leave Spain, and there were a number of people that were act actually Jewish people that were on the ships that. Uh, when Christopher Columbus came uh, this way. And uh, where am I going? I'm not sure where I'm going on this. I'm just going round and round in circles, aren't I? But I made up my mind that I was going to give myself to something that would be effective in the latter years of my life. Okay, now, we've pastored churches, we've started churches, and when I say church, when I say church, I have a mental picture of what, what that's like, okay? Where I went to church, uh, I could take you there growing, when I grew up. I could take you there. We went to some revival meetings there here not long ago. And after that second time of going to a revival meeting there, I told my wife, I've had enough. I'm not going back. <laughs> God doesn't want just an institution that meets together and calls itself church. God looking for somebody that's going to legislate some things. Jesus said, if two or three will gather together in my name, what did he say? Okay, think about that just for a minute. Did you have Jesus with you before we got together? But he said, if two or three will get together in my name and my authority in the operation of what I am and who I am and what I want to do, if two or three will get together in my name, I am going to show up in a kind of way that is beyond and transcends what you had before you came into that place of being together. It scares the devil. It does. You know why? Because if two of us get together somewhere... We have the right to recognize that the king of the kingdom shows up, has shown up in a special way, and he shows up so that we can legislate. Why does he show up? I believe he shows up because he wants to tell us what to legislate. Amen. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Okay, now, we, we live in a society that has said, let's don't mix church and state. And the definition of that statement has shown up places like school, ball games, you can't pray anymore before the game starts, uh, because... It's a separation of church and state. And we, we'll say, but y'all don't understand. This is not 
We're just praying out here. This is not church. But the world has said, it is church. You know what I believe the world said? You've got a power, and we, we're scared of that power. Y'all remember the veil in the temple was torn in twain? From where? Opened it up. Anybody can go in, but God came out. He came out. Now he's looking for somebody that will recognize the power and authority that they have. The world recognizes it. Church don't recognize it. A problem is, I said, I wasn't going to do this. I had to keep it under. If I erupt, hang on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus, don't say bless me, please. I'm already blessed. If he blesses me much more, I'm going to have to pick me up off the floor. I'm here so you get blessed. The world said, don't, don't be praying out here in public. Y'all are the church. And we said, we ain't the church praying out here in public. But the world said, you are the church. Don't pray out here in public. But we need to recognize that we're, we're the legislative assembly. And we can get together at a ball game in Walmart. We need to know the power we've got available. God said, you're supposed to legislate, legislate something, set something into motion. I've got something that needs to be done, and I want you to set it into motion and do it. Hallelujah. So Moses is supposed to do something for God. He's called of God to do it. Rescued out of the river, out of the Nile, by Pharaoh's daughter. She fell in love with him, compassion, take him home, raise him. Paid his mama to nurse him when all the rest of them were being killed. Grows up, 40 years of age, the calling that he had in his life and on his life came to the surface, began to boil in him. I'm going to tell you something about the calling of God. Jesus, You can push it down, stuff it down, and ignore it if you want to. But if you ever get close to God and fellowship with God, it's going to come to the surface. If somebody has to hire you and pay you to go and do things... For God, you you might want to question whether you've got a calling on your life or not. But when that calling begins to surface, it's going to stir, it's going to move, it's going to flow. Jesus. Moses was so stirred by the Spirit of God that he went out and saw an Israelite and an Egyptian in conflict. He jumped in there and killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. Next day, he went back out again. This thing of of delivering the Jewish people out of Egyptian bondage as slaves stirred in him. Went back out the next day, saw two Jewish people 
in conflict and he stepped in and they said, you're going to kill us like you did that guy yesterday? He realized the news is out. You kill somebody in the sight of other folks, people know about it. How could God use somebody that's a murderer now? How could God use any of us? God, what we deserve would all be in hell right now. But there's a thing called mercy and grace. Moses took off. He hightailed it. He endured as seeing him who is invisible, not fearing the wrath of the king. He was more connected to God. I'm sure he said, I know God created me, so I'm going to protect God's creation. I'm out of here. Next 40 years, Moses kind of got very passive. He became very passive. He's so passive at the age of 80, he's keeping his father-in-law's sheep in the backside of the desert. Keeping his father-in-law's sheep. Got no sheep of his own. He'd become passive. Got no business of his own. It's my dad-in-law I'm working for. How many of y'all like to work for your in-laws? No, don't answer that Okay. But he had none. Forget this call. Forget, forget getting them out of bondage. Out there keeping the sheep and notice something burning over there. Bushes burning. Well, no big thing to see something burning. Most all of us have seen something burning somewhere, haven't we? Probably followed a fire truck one day because it came by and the siren was on, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? Go watch something burn. How many of y'all ever done something like that? Well, let's go watch it burn. It's burning. Not, never mind, we're supposed to be over here, but we're going over there and watch it burn. Moses is watching it burn. And it burn. And it burn. And it burn. I don't know how long. Maybe a couple of days. Maybe three days. Moses said, uh, something's going on here. I better go see what's happening. So he goes over there where the bush is burning and not being consumed. And he gets there to the bush and there's a voice speaks to him out of the middle of the bush. Take your shoes off, Moses. You're on, on holy ground. Take them off. Takes his shoes off. God said, I've chosen you, buddy. And I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Turn them loose. Get them out of there. And this is what the Lord spoke to me about the burning bush. He said it wasn't a bush that was burning. Then what was that fire that was burning? It wasn't a bush. It wasn't oxidation of the bush. Bush was not being consumed. What was burning? Have y'all ever read in the book of Revelation talking about Jesus' eyes? Whereas what? Fire. Fire in God's eyes. God was looking and God was burning. What was it burning? What was he on fire for? There was over a million Jews, a million that were descendants of Abraham, that were in slavery and bondage. And the God the Father was burning to get them free and get them over into that land that he'd given to Abraham. So we, I'll not go through the rest of the account of how all that happened. But the Lord told me, he said, 
what was burning was my love for the Jewish people. It's my love for them. Giving them a land, Moses, they got to be in the land. They've got to be in the land. They've got to go to the land. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from Yahweh, our Heavenly Father. To reject his gift is to reject him. To say no to what he wants to give to us is to say no to his love and provision from above. They had to be on the land. There was a place where Jesus was about to be birthed into this world. His mother Mary was nine months pregnant and she had to go to a town. She and Joseph had to go to a town for the taxing for the, for the uh, census that was being taken. Had to go to Bethlehem. They were the house and lineage of David. Had to go there. But do you know why she had to go there and have the baby there? There was no other place that Mary could have that baby. Mary could not have Jesus anywhere else except one place. One place that she was supposed to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. Do any of y'all know where that is? Where was it? Everybody say it together. Where? Why? Because God had said it in the Word. He had eternally written. He had eternally written he'd be born in Bethlehem. The wise men came to Herod and they said, where is he? We, we saw a star in the east and we've come to worship the king, of the king of the Jews. Don't despise the Jews. Salvation came to the Jews. I have time to get in all of this. What time do y'all get out when it's over? I told you, pray for yourself this morning. <laughs> Eternally recorded. I don't have the time to go through all of these. I compiled a list of over 250 verses in the Bible that God did not say that he was going to bring them into the, out of Egypt into the land, but he said he would bring them out of the land of the north into the land. And somebody else said there are over 700 verses that directly relate to the Jewish people coming out of the country, the old Russian, former Russian countries, and being brought back into the land that God had given to Abraham. It's important that they be on the land. Okay, now, it'd probably be well if I read at least one or two verses of Scripture this morning. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 36 and verse 8. <clears throat> but ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. Uh, Amplified says, for they will soon come home, 
Another translation gives it, they are quickly returning. When Russia had its fall, when was it, 91? When Russia had its fall in 91, it opened the doors for the Jewish people that were in Russia to come out. Until that time, the government, atheistic government, would not allow them to leave an oppressed and and humiliated, economically squashed them and did everything they could to try to destroy them. Hitler tried to destroy the Jews, killed, what, over five million, okay? But he didn't kill, he's not going to be able to destroy them because their, Scripture says they're apple of his eye. That's what the Bible says, the pupil of his eye. In the book of Exodus, he said, go tell Pharaoh to let my son go. He called Israel his son. And what he's about to do and what he is doing for Israel is not a thing that Israel qualified for. If Israel received what they really should receive because of a stiff neck and a hard heart, they'd never get anything from God. But does a stiff neck and a hard heart eliminate anybody from finding grace in the eyes of the Lord? I tell you what God's trying to do. He's trying to do a work in each one of us so that we see something happening. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping around here, but uh, we ate in an establishment last evening that had Hank Williams' picture on the wall. How many of y'all know who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about Hank Jr., but I'm talking about his daddy, Hank Williams. So I sang this at the table. <laughs> can I sing it? I don't know if I can sing this or not. I tried so hard, my dear, to show that you're my every dream. But you're afraid that each thing I do is some evil scheme. A lonely memory from the past keeps us so far apart. Why can't I free your doubtful mind and melt your cold, cold heart. You know what I believe God gave? I really believe that God gave Hank Williams that love song. But I believe it's a love song that could be repeated to the church today. I'm trying to melt your cold, cold heart. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something in the unbelieving part. Put that verse back up there, brother. Uh, but here's what he said. He said, the mountains of Israel will shoot forth their branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. They're coming. When, when, when Russia fell, the doors opened, and they've been coming out of Russia. They've been coming out of the former countries into, into the land that God gave to Abraham. And they must get on that prop. They must be on on the land. They've got, just like Mary had to be in Bethlehem, the Jewish people have got to be on the land in order for God to do what he wants to do. It's his gift to the Jewish people and they've got to get involved and be in the gift that God's given unto them. It's a must. Heaven has required it. It's written in the book. Over 700 verses that have to do to a direct relationship of them coming back into the land. The land produces for the proper inhabitants. 
When we were sent, our church sent us to Israel a few years ago, and the guide told us this. He said that we were, we were down in that part of the country where it was very productive agriculturally. Beautiful, beautiful crops that were being produced there in Israel. And he said before the Jewish people started coming back, it was around in 19, uh, when was it, 1918, the Belfort Treaty was signed, which recognized Israel uh, as an entity. And the Jewish people started coming back into the land. And he said, he said that it did not rain for a long, long time, hundreds and thousands, almost a couple of thousand years. It didn't rain there. Okay? It was, a, it was a desert. But he said when the children of Israel started coming back into the land, this was not a Christian guy. This was a Jewish guy. He said when they started coming back into the land, guess what started happening? Stuff out of heaven started coming to the earth. And as a result of the stuff out of heaven, y'all know what, what happens when it rains? When it rains enough, what happens? You ain't get your lawnmower going. Stuff's going to start growing. Even the desert, if it'll rain in the desert, I don't know where all those seed come from, but if it'll rain in the desert, the desert turns green. It started raining. Heaven started showering down something whenever the Jewish people kept started coming back. I didn't know that the I-6 now picks up on your face. So you program that in? Okay, I, I guess I'm out of step. Mine just opens up when you put my thumb on it. But you know what? My phone won't open for anybody else's thumb except mine. Your phone won't open up for you. Anybody else? I don't care how long you've been married to her and how much you begin to look like her. <laughs> I guarantee you, y'all be going somewhere sometimes and you thinking something, you don't ever say anything about it. The next thing comes out of her mouth, very thing you're thinking, right? That's the way it happens, isn't it? <clears throat> But your face won't open her phone. This program, the tap phone only opens for. And God has programmed this thing that it wouldn't open up for anybody else except those people that the land had been given to. So it's very important that they're on that land. Now, uh, if you go a little bit further here in this thing, um, same chapter, Ezekiel 36. Verse 22. And, and the, uh, the movement of the Jewish people from where they are now to the land of Israel is called Aliyah, which means it's Hebrew for going up. It's like going up to Jerusalem. And when the Jewish people leave the place where they are to move to Israel, they're making Aliyah. And what Ezra International is all about is to help the Jewish people make Aliyah. In just a minute, uh, I'm really not explaining what Ezra's all about, but Barry Wagner, who's the executive director, 
vice president and executive director of this uh, group. He has a he has a little DVD. I has a he has a, a video that we'll watch here in just a minute. It's 11 minutes long, but it'll explain it. But let me let me uh, let me read this. Ezekiel 36 in verse 22. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whether ye went. So why is he bringing them back? He's bringing them back for his name's sake. Somebody said, well, the Jewish people messed up, and as a result of that, they're cut out, and the church has taken their place now. It's called replacement theology. The church has taken the place of the Jewish people, but if you read Romans chapter 11, Paul starts that chapter off by saying, has God cast away the ones that he foreknew? He said, God forbid. God hadn't cast them away. He's still working with them. He gave his word that he'd return them, and, and, and look at this. Okay, look at verse 24. He said, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you, and a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Now, sounds like to me they're going to get saved. And they're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. But the process is that they have to come back into the land that God gave to Abraham. When I went to Bible school, uh, when I first got there, I heard these guys talking about, I carried so-and-so down the Romans Road, and they got saved. And I'm going, I don't want to appear, appear to be too ignorant. You know, when the clampets go to town, there is some appearance that shows up anyway. Okay? Uh, so I just kept my mouth shut. And eventually I found out what they were talking about. They were talking about verses of Scripture in the book of Romans that you could read to somebody and talk to them about and carry them through those verses in Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5, verse 8, Romans 10, verse 9 through 13, and get them to the place where you would pray with them and they would pray and receive the Lord. And so once I learned that, then I used that over and over and over and over again. Never mind what the Holy Spirit was telling me to say to the person. I had my script already written out in my brain, and I'd repeat that. Got a few people saved. Got a lot of people that prayed, to, prayed that prayer with me just to get me off their back. Now, I know you know who those people were. You see them in the grocery store. They'd be, get on the other aisle so they wouldn't meet us coming down the aisle. I won't go through that anymore. So went through all of that. But there were some, some that actually got saved. Okay. Gave them those verses of Scripture. How long does it take? So if somebody's really interested and you take them through those verses and they pray maybe five minutes, 15 minutes, maybe an hour, and they receive Jesus. The Jewish people as a whole have been 
opposed to Christians, the cross, and this man called Jesus because of so much persecution that they have suffered at the hands of those who label themselves Christians. The Crusades, uh, the Inquisitions, and so to go and talk to a person who is a Jew about receiving Jesus and giving them the Romans' road plan of salvation, you're not probably going to get very far. But let me tell you what's happening. In these countries where they are so oppressed and so put down economically, when the doors opened that they could leave, then they were held in bondage because of the poverty. They didn't have enough money hardly to put food on the table, a little less, get their visa and their passport and get a plane ticket and fly out of there and go to Israel. Couldn't do it. So somebody had to come to their rescue. Somebody had to move in on the scene. And so what's happening, there are people who help the Jewish people make Aliyah. And it's no secret that as these people are doing this, we're Christians. Well, why are you Christians doing it? Because the Father in heaven loves you. And we love the Father, and we love you because He loves you. And we're going to help you get out of this mess that you're in, just like Moses helped them get out of Egypt. So they come into the land. We had a little problem with this, that they were not being witnessed to, they were not being presented Jesus before they got there. But they couldn't. The agreement with the Israeli government was that these are Jews, full-fledged Jews. They find out they're Jews through the genealogy, and they run the records. It's amazing. 2,000 years. And they still, you still can locate those people scattered. Okay? And as they come into the land, they come to a place where they have a hope and a future. And we all read it, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. That was to the Jews first. One to us Gentiles first, to the Jews. And we'll turn over there in just a minute probably and read it if we have time. So they come into the land and they know these are Christians that have helped us get out of poverty, get out of a place where, and come to a place where we have a hope and a future. And guess what happens? The heart that was so closed now is open and there are those that are reaching them in Israel now Jewish people are coming to know Yahshua as the Messiah and they're opening their hearts to him and what's happening there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is coming and it's coming upon them. You say, well, what's that got to do with us? Here we are in Jemison, Alabama, or wherever you live. Here we are. What's that got to do with us? It's got a lot to do with us. Got a lot to do with us. Let me show you. Go to Romans chapter 11. I don't have time to read all these scriptures and uh, that has to do with this, but... On the table out front, you'll notice a little display there. 
tells about some of the things Ezra's involved in, some of the people they've helped rescue and get them out of the place of destruction, the anti-Semitic spirit that would want to destroy them and kill them. It's very important. The day that we're living in is very important. Uh, in about two weeks, plus a day or two, our embassy, United States of America embassy, will be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Okay. Matthew said in chapter 5, it's the city of the great king, Jerusalem is. Hallelujah. No other president who sat in office and had already had the legalities in, from our government to move our, our embassy to Jerusalem. No other president had the intestinal fortitude to do it. God gave us a president, and this may be the main reason he's there, gave us a president who said, I don't care what you think, I'm going to do what's supposed to be right. And he's moving it. And it will be on May the 14th, 2018, exactly, exactly to the day, 70 years from the day that they raised the flag of David and Israel became a nation again, 70 years to the day. about you? That gives me goosebumps. Somebody said, that means we're about ready for the rapture. No, we ain't ready for the rapture. We ain't ready for the rapture. God's got some. You don't know how much I want to explode on y'all this morning. God's got some things he's going to do. And he's looking for somebody that will join with him to do it. Let me read this. Okay. So what's, what's happening there? Has that got anything to do with us? The entire chapter of Romans 11 has to do with the Jewish people. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1 says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, and of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foredew. That is an eternal statement. Eternal statement. Okay? All right. Now, if you read in this chapter, you'll find that they really, he didn't describe them as people that have really been um, connected to us with the gospel, or they haven't. As a whole, they have not. Okay? Um, let's go to, uh, which verse do I want to go to? Verse, let's go to verse 29. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got ahead of myself here. Okay, let's go back to verse 12. This is where I want to pick it up. 
Okay, now if the fall of them, talking about the Jews, be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now this is what happened. This is what happened. It's like, it like carrying a plate. We're in a place the other, the other night and ate and heard this bang on the floor and turned around and looked. And I, I'm not sure who it was, but they dropped their plate of food. You know what happens when you drop your plate of food on a tile floor? It goes everywhere. You ever been carrying something and you stumble and fell? It just went everywhere. The Jewish people were given Jesus. They were given salvation and they stumbled and they fell with it. And when they fell with it, what they had in the platter got. And God intended for the whole world to start with, okay? But when they fell, it was to the Jew first and then to the rest of the world, okay? Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the power of God and salvation, to the Jew first and then to the, to the, to the rest of us, okay? Came to them first. Our obligation to the Jew is that it, flew, it came through, and that's the root of this whole thing. We don't want to cut ourselves off from the root that God started and sprang this thing from. We need to be properly connected to the root, and that's one of the reasons I'm here is to talk about proper connection to the root system, okay? And, and what they had in the platter from God, they fell with it, and when they did, it, it splattered on the rest of the world, and it became salvation to the rest of the world. Their fall became our salvation. What the Bible says, okay? Their fall became our salvation. All right, now let's read on here just a little bit further. Uh, verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, okay, their fall became our, our reconciliation. Their going down meant our coming up, okay? Casting away of them, the Jews, be the reconciling of the world, that's the rest of us. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? The restoration of the Jewish people, them coming in and being restored and coming up. They fell, we got something. So what's going to happen? This is what he's saying. What's going to happen when their fall is reversed and they're not falling any longer, but they're repositioned. Y'all remember when Jesus was getting ready to go back into heaven? Somebody asked him, uh, will you restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. And so you're not going to be able to concern yourself with, with what the Father's kept in his own power. And he kept it in his own power until our day until now. Somebody said, this is not that. It, I know it said that in the Bible, but what's happening over there now is not really the fulfillment of the Bible. Well, Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and he said, I don't know what you bunch of people believe, but I'm telling you, Joel prophesied and something's going to happen. And he said, this is that. This is that. God said, I'm bringing them back. I'm bringing them out of the north country. Draw your line. Draw your line from Moscow. Draw your line from Moscow to the North Pole or, or from Jerusalem to the North Pole, and it will go directly through Moscow. He said, I'm going to bring them out of the north. I'm going to bring them from the north, south, east, and west. I'll say to the north, give up. I'll say to the east, give them up. Turn them loose. Let them go. God said, I'll say that to them, and they, it'll have to be done. They're going to come back, and they're going to be restored. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon them. They're going to come into the land. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon them, and if their fall became your reconciliation, 
then what's going to happen as they come back into the land, they receive what the Father's given unto them. It's going to be, what did it say? Everybody say it. Life from the dead. Say it again. Life from the dead. We call that what? Let me give you another word that goes parallel to resurrection or life from the dead. It's called revive. Re means what? It's a pre, it's prefix means what? Re. Do we have any English people in here? Okay. Re means again. Rerun. The older I get, the fewer reruns we ever have. <laughs> We were watching something the other day, the other night, and I asked my wife, haven't we seen this? Yeah, we've seen it. How does it turn out? Neither one of us could remember how it turned out. So let's watch it again, see how it turns out. <laughs> rerun. I like those rerun football games. I was watching rerun football. My wife hates them. She hates rerun football games. She thinks she can pray and change the, con- the course of the final outcome of that thing. Okay, and she probably does more times than I realize. Okay, rerun. Revive. What does vive mean? It means life. Revival is coming back to life, something that used to be alive, and it died. I hope y'all get this. I prayed for you that you get it. I hope you get it the way I got it. Maybe you'll stay up a few nights and can't sleep all night. You pray all night long. Maybe you get up at three o'clock in the morning too. It's life from the dead. The Jewish people coming back in and getting what God's got for them is revival. I wonder why. I wonder. I wonder if this means that the Gentiles are going to have very little revival until the Jewish people get. Life from the dead for the rest of the world. What in the world is God? What is heaven holding that is waiting on us to get the Jewish people back in there and get them restored? What inventions? What things for medicine? What flowings of the Holy Spirit? Pardon me. I think I'm erupting just a little bit. (laughs) Heaven is waiting on the Gentiles. Isaiah 49, 22, please. Heaven is waiting on the Gentiles. The Gentile Christians to do something about this thing. I need to apologize again, but ain't no need of saying it over again, is it? Thus saith the Lord God. Everybody say, God said it. Behold, I'll lift up my hand to the Gentiles. Let's stop right there. Okay? Let's do this lifting up a hand deal. Okay? What does that mean? Huh? Surrender. But if you're doing it to God, you're also doing what? Worship, praising Him. Okay. Let me give you another lifting of the hand. Us guys, we don't care for this one. Except we're watching the program. What does that mean? 
Okay, that's a Miss America wave. How many of y'all ever been sitting in the class? Raise your hand. What does that mean if you're sitting in a class and you raise your hand? Question? Yes, Johnny, I see your hand up. May I go to the bathroom? Your hand's raised. I was at the airport picking up my son, our son. He had been some kind of funny. He went to a school somewhere. If there's anybody in the whole world hated school, it's that son that we got, that one, Kelly. He hates it. Still hates school. How he graduated and he never brought a book home with him from school. I don't know how he did it. He, had, he figured it out, though. Okay, he got his diploma. So I'm at the airport to pick him up. There he is right over there. He's got his suitcase. And I just, all, I got to, all I've got to do is just drive over there and pick him up and he'll get in the car. I forgot about the policeman that was directing traffic. And when I feasted my eyes on him, this is what he was doing. You know what that means? You know what I did? I stopped. <laughs> you know how long I sat there? Till he went. That's what God said. I lift up my hand to the Gentiles. I don't know what the message is, but there's some kind of message he's trying to get to us. And I'm going to set up my standard. I'm going to raise my flag. And this is what's going to happen. This is what the Gentiles are going to do. They're going to bring thy sons, the Jewish sons, in their arms next to their bosom, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. There will be an elevation of the females. They'll be elevated to be brought back into the land. And the sons will hear and feel the heartbeat of a father that cares for them. And the Gentiles, not the Jewish people. I mean, a lot of Jewish people came here to the United States, and they're still locked in. They're locked away from moving back into that land, not because of poverty, but because of riches, material stuff. Okay? So he said, you Gentiles are going to have to do it. Y'all going to have to get them back in there. I told somebody, we, we owe a debt. We owe a debt to the Jewish people. They said, I don't owe them anything. I went, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Okay? Let me give you, I got to stop. We, we need to watch this thing by Barry. Can y'all can y'all go about 15 more minutes? Would that work? Because anybody has to leave in the next 15 minutes, if you do, just go ahead and write out a check to Ezra for $1,000. We are going to receive an offering for Ezra. It takes, and I don't know who calculated this, but the average is $360. We have to locate them and pay for their visa, their passport, if they owe any back rent to the, to the government, pay that off, and to give them transportation and bring them to Israel. As soon as they step foot on the soil in Israel, they are automatically uh, citizens of that country. And there are institutions and groups that are set up to receive them, assimilate them, and help them uh, 
you know, live the rest of their life. Where did, did I ask you to turn somewhere? Huh? Isaiah 49. 49. Why don't, why don't we go ahead and do that? I, I think we need to. I want you to, I want you to hear uh, Barry Wagner. I've known Barry for a number of years. Uh, we've personally been a part of Ezra and this work, and our church has participated. At one point, uh, we made a sizable contribution. We took weeks and weeks to gather it and uh, made a sizable contribution. I think it was around $17,000. Uh, then another time, we were trying to buy property and, and uh, hadn't located it, but we had a building fund, and we were trying to put money into that. And God spoke to me and said, you need to take 5000 out and give it to Ezra. And, you know, I'd heard of churches doing that kind of thing. We, you know, give to that church over there and look what God did for us. And, and I'm not into a game, playing a game with God. I believe that we should be led by the Spirit of God, not dictated to by what happened to somebody else. Okay. I don't think we ought to be purpose-driven. I don't think we ought to be driven at all. I think we're sheep and we have a shepherd and he's leading us. Okay. We wait on him. So I told the people I believe we're supposed to do this and uh, you people gave money to the building fund so it would not be proper to take that out unless you approved it. We we're not went into the voting business, but I said you gave it for that and really, nothing should be done with that except building fund, unless you say do it. How many of y'all would say, let's take 5000 out and give it to Ezra? It's 100%. Everybody said, yeah, do it. So we did it. Only because we were being led to do it. See, when we received the offering, I get up here and I really have tried to be nice about the whole deal and not rant and rave too much. But there's a fire burning inside, okay? So don't do anything in relationship to any antics or any kind of uh, juggler veins appearing on the side of the neck, okay? Do what you do because the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you and leading you, okay? And when, when the time came, years later, I look back, we had God really be involved with us purchasing 20 acres of land and building a building. In fact, we got more buildings now than we really need. Okay? And uh, look back and I'm going, you know, I believe Genesis 12 and verse 3 where God said, I'll bless those that bless you. Abraham, those that bless you, I'll bless. And those that curse you, I'll curse. Those that disesteem you, those that count you lightly, I'm going to make it hard for them. But those that will, anyway, I looked back and I went, God, look at that. We did a sacrificial thing to help them get in their land and look what, anyway. And who's to, who's to know what God, it's yet to be seen. I has not seen the ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Old Testament said, wait for him. New Testament, he said, those that love him. Let me give you this little thing. We'll watch it and watch beer. You know what you're supposed to be doing while you're waiting on God? There are times you have to wait on God. Going to have a baby. Yeah, y'all know how long that takes? How long does it take? Took Abraham and Sarah a lot longer than nine months. <laughs> okay? Uh, some things you just have to wait on. 
but, but if I'm waiting on something to cook and my wife and I have some intimate moments together, the waiting on this thing to cook ain't very important. <laughs> y'all, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> While we're waiting on him, he ought to be the important thing in our life. Loving on him. Hosting his presence. Come on, lady. Jesus. Hallelujah. Put Barry on. Let's listen to him. It's 11 minutes of this. Y'all hang on. We'll be finished here in just a little bit. The best way I can describe the heartbeat of Ezra International is it's literally, I believe with all my heart, it is the heartbeat of God. I just prayed and sought the heart of God. I said, God, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Show me the, 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 the nearest and the dearest thing to your heart right now. And uh, he made it so clear to me that it was the Aliyah, the return of his, his people, his chosen people from all the nations uh, back to their homeland. And uh, that is, that's, that's the heart of Abba, uh, and it's the heart of Ezra International. Uh, we, are, we are bound and determined that not one Jewish person is going to be left behind in any of these countries we're working in because of the, the lack of documents or because of the lack of finances. Uh, so we should, it, it's, it's, it's God's heart, it's what He wants, and uh, the good news is He wants the body of Christ to be involved in this regathering of His people. And this is another big part of what we do. Uh, I go into, my wife and I go into churches around the country, around the world, uh, sharing this message with the, with the churches and helping them to understand that God has called the body of Christ alongside of Him to partner with Him to help bring His people home to land through financial giving, through prayer, uh, through support of all kinds. So uh, uh, that, that's really uh, the best way I can sum it up is uh, Ezra's vision, Ezra's uh, heart is, is God's heart. There are uh, multi-hundreds of uh, uh, verses in the, in the scripture uh, that talks about the regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel in the last days. Uh, and uh, as we go into churches, we share many of those. I, I think of uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, 24 through 28, where God says, I will gather them from all the nations. I'll bring them back into their own land. That's Israel. And when they come, I'll sprinkle water on them. They'll be clean. And then he says, I'll give them a new heart. I remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then in verse 27, he says, and I'll put my spirit in them. And that's exactly what we're seeing. One of the most important one, I think, for the body of Christ is found in Isaiah 49:22, where God says, uh, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And I always tell congregation, this is what Barry Wagner says, or Mel Hosel, or Ezra International. This is what God says. This is what the what God says. He says, see, I will beckon unto the Gentiles. Now that word beckon, as you know, means call. He says, I will call unto the Gentiles. I'll raise up my banner to the nations, going where Gentiles and they, who the Gentiles, will carry your sons in their arms and their daughters on their shoulders. That's a mandate from God. Been there for over 2,700 years. As a pastor of 25 years, I, I, I didn't see it until God's appointed time to bring new revelation and understanding about what He's doing in these last days with His precious people. So, so the body of Christ has a mandate from God. I always call it receiving our orders from headquarters. 
Just as uh, it, during the Vietnam War, I received orders from headquarters that I was going to Vietnam, and I had two choices. I could either accept those orders or run off to Canada or whatever, reject those orders, and uh, be delinquent in, in uh, carrying those orders out. I chose to, to abide by those orders. Well, this is a, an order from God's headquarters, if you will, to the body of Christ. And he's asking us to partner with him to help bring his people home. So those are the kind of uh, scriptures we share with congregations as we uh, go into the, into the churches around the world. Another very important scripture that I like to share with congregations is found in Genesis chapter 12 and verse three. And so many people read it, but I don't know that they fully grasp it. I always say if they would take this scripture and if every pastor, if every church leader, if every church board member, every Christian sitting in those pews on Sunday morning would take Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 to heart and accept it, receive it, and walk in it. And it simply says this, God is speaking to Abram. His name hadn't been changed to Abraham yet. And he said, uh, Abram, I will bless those who bless you, meaning the Jewish people, and those who curse you, I will curse. But that scripture is still in effect because of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. I will bless those. You see, I was being a blessing to God's people. I was holding them in my arms and just expressing the unconditional love of Jesus. Oh, I've cried many tears down the backs of many Jewish people, and they've cried tears down my back and worn my shirts with their tears. And uh, Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brother, the Jewish people, you've done it unto me. And I was just being a blessing to his people. And for the first time in their lives, they were experiencing the unconditional love of Jesus. Uh, all I'm saying is Genesis 12, 3 is so, so vital. And I, it can transform lives. It can transform churches. <clears throat> it can transform our nation if we would just do what it says. Bless my people and I'll bless you. I, I, I will throw out a word of caution here about that. Uh, I always want people to know that we are not doing what we're doing with the Jewish people to be blessed. For heaven's sakes, that, that has nothing to do with it, but that's the end result. God said, if you will, he will. And uh, I even tell people when I'm raising funds in churches, listen, if you're going to give in this offering just simply to get something back, I want to encourage you to keep your money. And I say it with loving and kindness. You see, God knows our hearts. He, he knows what's in our hearts. And we, we've got to give, give from a heart of love. I believe you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And if we're doing it just to receive something back, uh, we're doing it a mess. So uh, let's keep our motives pure and uh, just be obedient to God in, in this endeavor to get his people home to the land. They can get involved in numerous ways uh, through their financial giving, uh, through prayer. Uh, particularly right now. Uh, of course, I always say it this way, any organization that does not have a foundation built on prayer is not going to last very long. We've been doing this for 19 years now as an organization, and uh, we are truly based in prayer. We need prayer warriors over us. Our staff, we, ha we have staff people in all these countries who are working in. Uh, if it's Russia, they're Russian Christians. If it's Ukraine, Ukrainian Christians, and so on. And they're on the front line of battle, especially right now. So I want to encourage people become involved with Ezra National prayerfully first of all that's the most important and uh, it's really not the same in all the countries uh, uh, I guess you would say the procedures pretty much the same we help them get their passports and their visas and pay for their travel expenses to and from the Israeli Embassy for the required consultation all of those kinds of things pay their debts off they owe to the government provide transportation to the airport 
for their flights to Israel and all of those things. We do that in all these countries, but particularly now, it's the calling of God. I was a pastor for 25 years. I, I enjoyed pastoring, had a wonderful church in the Orlando area. Uh, people loved us, we loved them, and I, I, I was content, but God had another plan. And in 1998, he called me to go to Odessa, Ukraine uh, for those three months. And while working and sailing on the ship uh, to Israel, uh, taking shiploads of uh, Jewish people to uh, Israel, God changed my calling and my anointing. And I realized when I went back home, I was going to have to resign from my church and uh, just commit the rest of my life to this work. In fact, I have people ask me from time to time, Barry, you're 67 years old. You, thinking about retirement. How can I retire if there's one precious Jewish person left in the former Soviet Union countries? What am I going to do, retire and go fishing? I don't think so. Uh, this is, this is I, I will continue to do this as long as God gives me the physical and mental strength to carry on this work. It's, it's something I, I just can't lay down. I think the main thing uh, I'd just like our viewers to uh, understand is that this is of God. It's God's plan for Israel for these last days. He, he said he would gather them from all the nations, bring them back home into their own land. And he's doing it for the redemption of Israel. We read in, in the book of Romans where it says, and all of Israel shall be saved. And uh, all the scriptures we read, uh, both in the Old and the New Testaments about this regathering, uh, we see that, uh, that, uh, that happens once they're in the land. And uh, the, the main thing we must understand as born-again believers is that God is calling us to be a part of what He's doing, to partner with Him to help bring His chosen people home to the land of Israel. And I think what an honor, what a privilege. You know, when God showed me that, I, I, again, I was praying, laying on the floor in my study, and God showed me that He wanted to use the body of Christ. And I screamed at God. I said, God, why us? Why would you want to use us? Because you see, I, I, I know something about Jewish people. For the most part, when they hear the name Jesus, or they see a cross, or they hear the word Christian, they don't think of love and compassion. They don't think of grace and mercy. But I'll tell you what they think of. They think of the Spanish Inquisition. Well, before that, they think of the Crusades. That's why I cried out to God. It's not that I didn't want to leave my church and, and my salary and the parsonage and all the things that came with being a pastor. That had nothing to do with it. But you see, Jewish, our, our hands are stained with blood, as Michael Brown wrote in his book, concerning our treatment of the Jewish people over the course of history. And I said, God, why would, why would you use us? Why would you call us to help your precious people home? And this is what he said to me. The Holy Spirit made it so clear. He said, Barry, for centuries the church has been a curse to my people. But now I want them to be a blessing to my people. And I say, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the privilege and the honor to hold one of those precious Jewish people in our arms and to help them go up the steps of those airplanes or in days past on the ship. But God has called us. And that's really what is on my heart, for the body of Christ to grasp hold of this high calling that God has called us to and allow Him to use us in this end time regathering of His precious people to the land of Israel. Two things we'd like to do here this morning, conclude this. 
One is give you an opportunity if you feel led of the Holy Spirit to do something for the work that's being carried out. To do that, you can make your checks out to the church. Uh, the second thing is that if, uh, are you getting any words for anybody in here? Okay. Uh, we want to pray over you. Whatever you do, I, I believe that there's more results that come from our trusting God to do what's right when we do something because we love Him and obeying Him rather than coming and putting a specific amount and, and put, a, put a figure to what we want. The guys there in the parable, the man went out and find, found people to work for him for a penny a day. And at the end of the day, that's what they got, exactly what they had agreed upon. But then there were some that came at the end of the day, and they didn't agree on a penny. They said, he said, I'll do what's right. And I want to tell you something. When God does what's right, it's far bigger and better than what we, we laid out. God's able to do exceeding abundantly above we, all that we ask or think. Now, I personally don't know any Jewish people. Maybe I know some, and I don't know they're Jews. We know one. We know one. Who? Oh, yeah. He needs Jesus. Know of him. But here's, here's the way I deal with this. I know my Heavenly Father, and I know his love, and I understand that he loves the Jewish people. Therefore, my response to, these, to what I'm talking about is not my response to the people, but my response to Yahweh. Okay? So, Father, if this is your heartbeat, then I want to be a part of your heartbeat. And this is what I do for, in, in relationship to your love and what you want to do. And I believe that God will bless. God, I believe you're going to bless me. I believe something will happen. Okay? And that's one thing is give you an opportunity. Now, if, if, you, if you say, well, I'd like to do something on a regular basis. Matt has some little trifolds there that you can take one of those, or if you're considering doing something beyond just simply an offering today, you can take one of those, got a trifold, you fill that out and drop it in the offering uh, when we receive that if you, if you want to take one of those. If you think you, you know, you don't have to make a commitment to do that right now. If you think you might be interested in it, you want to see what that is, then, then take one of those. You can put it on. I'm not... I'm really not for credit cards, but we do have debit cards. We've gotten away from credit cards. We use debit cards, and so that works for us. We're not giving money that doesn't belong to us. I've done that in the past, gave off of a credit card, <laughs> and then had the Holy Spirit reveal to me, you didn't give your money. You gave somebody else's money. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I didn't go there. But the debit cards, you're giving your money. So if you want to do something in that, take one of those. Then if there's any of you that need prayer, I feel a real strong anointing of the Holy Spirit in this place today. And there's something special that you need in your giving. <laughs> it's, it's an exchange. It's a love exchange. God, I'm giving. I need something from you. Well, you're buying it. No. My wife and I exchange gifts at Christmas. I love you. I give you this. 
I've done real well. Some of those gifts, some of those gifts were bummers. <laughs> but then on the other hand, she gives back to me. It's a love exchange. This whole thing, you go to the cross of Calvary. It's a love exchange. It's an exchange that takes place. And we don't get away from it. You don't start in that with one set of principles and change principles as you go along. It's a love exchange. Here it is, God. Somebody asked me, are you still driving that car that was given to you? Yeah, we're still driving it. You know? We received the largest single offering we'd ever received in our life for just sitting down and shutting up. We didn't say a word, and they received it. It was big. But God's good. I need to tell you that again. God's good. Whatever you do for his people, he takes notice of it, and something is set into motion. Okay? And you just trust him for it. Just As you wait on him, love on him. It's the love weight is what it is. Learn how to love on him. Learn how to host his presence. Learn how to recognize he's with you. If, if this were the Holy Spirit, he'd be living in me, but he's also on me. So everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I give, he's there. Hosting his presence. He's with me. And I need to tell you this. Anything that God gets in is not big enough to contain him and it has to expand. That gives me comfort when I look in the mirror. Amen. <laughs> has to get bigger. Your financial situation will have to get bigger if you let God into it. There are times when what's done is a sacrifice. Does it come out of the abundance? And when that happens, when Jesus stood at the treasure and watched that little widow put in the two mites, he said, you see all those folks out there, guys? They're giving all that big money, but they got big money left over. And when that little lady gave what she gave, she didn't have anything left over. But he didn't make them take it out and give it back to her. You know why? Because there was a grace that was released in that whole thing. Now, this usually happens to me. I don't know if it'll happen to you. I'm sorry, we're going longer. I'm, I'm fixing to quit here in a minute. Usually, when I make a move financially to do something, and I look at the total of what's left, usually I start getting these thoughts, now how are you going to make it? Now what are you going to do about it? Now do you have enough? When in reality I probably had enough, I did have enough. It's pretty evident I'm not suffering from malnutrition. That's pretty evident, isn't it? Okay, and I had to choose which pair of shoes to wear today. And I had to choose which clothes to put on today. Okay? Most of you could not go into your closet and pray, shut the door and pray. You know why? Because you got so stinking much stuff in your closet you can't get in there. Okay? God will bless his people. God's going to take care of you. 
He's going to take care of you. He's going to do something for you. What Paul say, but my God. I know my God. That's what he said. I know my God. My God's going to supply your needs. He's going to do something for you is what he's going to do. Okay? He's going to do something for you. And I'm here today to encourage you to be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? Father, we pray before people give now in relationship to promises, to your presence, to your power, to all your provisions, we thank you for them. Thank you for being who you are to us. Lord, we know there, there's still a lot of your people out there that need to come out of these old Russian countries and need to make Aliyah. And we pray that they would. We pray to come together, be put together for each person that does what they feel led to do today. God, we believe that something special is being released unto them. A love exchange here today. A love exchange. Would you be willing to receive God's love exchange to you and just lift your hands to him right now? Whether you don't do anything but pray for the Jewish people. If that's all that comes out of this today is your prayer and your understanding of where they are and what's going on. And you would receive God's love exchanged to you. Lift your hands to him and just tell him, Lord, Father God, I receive. You don't have to say it out loud, but just say it in your heart. I receive your love exchanged to me. I receive what you want to flow to me. I make myself available and I welcome what you are doing. I will not shut off your benefits and blessings to me through doubt, unbelief, or some kind of Lonesome memory of the past. I will not do it, Lord. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wait just a moment now. Ho. 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 Joints will be freed up. Backs receive healing. Feet and ankle bones will have a refreshed and renewed vigor and the steps that once were depressed. I declare, Now begin to lift up your eyes. Now look beyond the difficulty and the problem and know, I hear the Lord saying this to me, here, and know, that no longer would I desert you than I would desert those that I have called to be in that land. For as I keep my word to them, I also keep my word to you. Rest assured in what I have given you as my promises, my children. Rest assured of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Abraham didn't look at his own body when he was 99 years old and Sarah's 89. Bible says she received strength to conceive. You should have been in the tent that night. She received strength. And a year later, there's a bouncing baby boy called Isaac. Laughter. Funny. It's going to be funny what God does for you. Funny, funny, funny. You're going to laugh at it. You're going to say, how in the world did this happen? How in the world did this come about? God said, it's because of my grace. 
It's my grace. What did y'all notice the sign when you pull off the highway today? What kind of church is this? Grace life. Say life. And his life comes by his grace. Hallelujah. The light shined in the darkness. The express, the ex verbal expression of God came out of, out of darkness into light, into a place where it became illumination. And darkness couldn't comprehend it. Darkness couldn't lay hold of it. Darkness couldn't stop it. I got to stop. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Could we receive the offering? Now, if you want to go ahead and give, just do that right now. Our brothers will serve you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For whoever gives and whatever you give, if you don't have to give, you don't feel like you're supposed to do this today. But if you would at least pray over it. We have on the table out there some items that you're free to pick up any of those you want and take them with you except the book. The book that's out there was written by Barry Wagner and it's called Still They Come. Uh, and it tells about his call, about what he went through to get into the place where he's functioned in it and about the Jewish people coming in. There's a bookmarker out there that's got uh, 10 or 11 different scriptures that have to do with Aliyah. Uh, I'd like for everybody to take at least a bookmarker and have those scriptures. You can pull them out and read them every once in a while. We need to be re refresh ourselves in the memory. Being here in Alabama, we have a tendency. Do y'all know what it really means to be a, a native Alabamian? Do y'all know what that means? Do y'all know what it meant? The meaning of Alabama, Alabama means thicket clearers. People that clear thickets, clear land to be used. So we get busy clearing land that we're using. We forget about what's going on somewhere else. You get your nose to the grindstone, you forget something's happening somewhere else. This thing's bigger. This thing's bigger than any of us. And God wants us to know about it. And this has been a special service. This is an a, a, a Israel honoring service here today. Okay? That's what this is. So pray for them. They shall prosper. That, that Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Prosperity comes to you if you pray. And Israel gets put back in there, life from the dead, revival. You won't see revival. You won't be revived. That's what God said. He, I wonder if that's why revival hinder, is hindered sometimes. Okay. I got to quit. I got to stop. Pastor, thank you again for letting us be here. God bless you, brother.